And I think that's the thing. It's part of being good stewards of what we've been given. We've got to be treating the planet better. And there are some really like small ways that we can help. Hello, and welcome to Acting Up, the podcast that dives deep into the world of TV and film that highlights our people, our communities, and our stories. I'm your host, Courtney Wills, Entertainment Director at The Grio. And this week, we're speaking with Liana Brackett as we discuss Netflix's new documentary, Seaspiracy. We're kicking off Earth Month. We're thinking about cash, cannabis, and climate over at the Rio, which is so appropriate because the one project that has been consuming my every waking moment since I saw it is this nutso, illuminating, shocking, foundation-rattling documentary called Seaspiracy. And it's all about the terrible impact that we as human beings are having on the ocean and what that awful impact and its implications are for all of us, which are so bleak. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I have to laugh so I don't really freak out, but this documentary says that by 2048, the sea will be empty. And it goes on to tell us all of the things that the sea does to keep us alive, how reliant we are on the ocean for air, for food, for its effects on the weather, its impact on people and communities. It is so mind-blowing. There is so much in it that is certainly overwhelming, but also makes you stop and think, why am I not paying more attention to this? to the ocean? Why am I not paying more attention to climate change? I think that climate change has been this like insurmountable kind of imaginary, like we know it's real, but we can't physically see it problem that's too big for any normal people to try and attempt to change. There are professionals for that who understand what's happening. They will fix it or it's going to happen way in the future. But all of that is a no. Climate change is in spite of all of the issues that we face as a community, as individuals, as a nation, as a species, like nothing is threatening us the way that climate change is. And that is a problem that we all need to start paying attention to whether or not we think that it, it applies to us or affects us. It does. And the truth is it actually affects black and brown people more than everyone else, faster, sooner than everyone else. And 2048 is not far off. After watching Seaspiracy, I do kind of feel like the sky is falling, but thankfully I have my friend Liana Brackett here today on Acting Up. She is a meteorologist. She's been with the National Weather Service. That's like the actual government, the Weather Channel, Fox LA, and she's going to help me try and digest all of these shockers and hopefully shed some well-informed light on the aspects about the weather, the climate, and just kind of unpack this wild documentary that I do think is certainly worth a watch. Hey, Liana, how you doing? Hey, Courtney, doing great. I mean, definitely still reeling from watching Seaspiracy. It's in the forefront of my mind. <laughs> Can you believe, like, what are we doing? I'm still paying off my credit card. Like for what? It's over. It went from so many different levels from straws to the fishing industry to slavery. And it went from bad to worse to horrifying. 
it's so far reaching it is. and it certainly feels like a problem that you know is so big where do you even start to chip away at it but that's not an excuse just like so many other battles that we have to fight that are harder for us to fight that are another thing we barely have room for to worry about but we actually like need to start worrying about this we're so selfish we've been like whatever like let the future deal with that but it's here like 2048 I know it's, it's in our lifetime, you know, it's going to happen. And I mean, and I think that's the thing. It's part of being good stewards of what we've been given. We've got to be treating the planet better. And there are some really like small ways that we can help the environment, help climate change, help all these causes. There are companies and organizations that are doing stuff. I mean, I don't know if we really saw the conspiracy, but it brings awareness. Yeah. Human trafficking, mafia deforestation, like murderous fishermen, like just murking dolphins because they're competition, shark fin soup, white salmon, Scottish salmon poop everywhere. (laughs) Basically the message was like, you gonna die. And the ocean is gross. Don't go in there. Don't eat anything that comes out there. Like if you, if something fell in the toilet, you would not pick it up and put it in your mouth. But we're eating fish? (laughs) Like, what? And that's not even the biggest reason not to eat fish from this documentary. Commercial fishing and its effect on the ocean might be the biggest contributor to climate change, which we just kind of figured out is the biggest problem in life. So this is a pretty important documentary, I think. Yeah, it really is. is. an episode of Acting Up. Yeah. We need to pay attention. Cameron, I texted you in a tizzy very late. Cameron is our producer here at Acting Up. And I texted him like, yo, wake up. (laughs) We have an emergency. Watch this. Cameron, what did you think? I mean, honestly, the first thing I did was I went straight to my freezer and I examined the salmon. And it's just notably two-toned fish. And I'm just like, why is it? pink and gray it should be one or the other but really it should only be one Um, it was so disturbing it really is and i even think we live near the beach and so you know we have neighbors who everyone will go out and pick up trash all on the beach and you're thinking like oh yay i'm doing such a miraculous wonderful thing and it's like no the fishing nets are the biggest culprit in our polluting the seas and i'm still just blown away by how have we not gotten better technology to rectify this maybe make some kind of dissolving net after 10 days so that we don't have to worry about whales eating these nets and how about the other biggest thing is that like why should we not eat fish because nothing according to seaspiracy is contributing to climate change as much as what's happening in the ocean so that's actually aside from just having a friend around to freak out with about this documentary that's why i wanted to have liana on she's actually a meteorologist She knows what's up with the climate, with the weather. She's going to tell us the difference between climate and weather. And she's going to talk me through some of the scarier environmental aspects of Seaspiracy. So let's start with that. Yeah. Let's start with this thing I learned last week when I watched this documentary that is like the water and the fish moving the water and mixing up the temperatures. 
has a big effect on the temperature outside. Is that real? Full disclosure, you know, as a meteorologist, we're focusing from the ground up to a certain level in the atmosphere. We don't go out into outer space. Those are different scientists that are focusing on that. We don't go below the ground. There's seismologists who are tracking earthquakes and um, we aren't oceanographers either. They're the ones who are doing the deep dive into the ocean. But, um, but obviously, meteorology, weather, and climate, they do all go hand in hand. So as a meteorologist, I'm focusing on the short-term impact. So the difference between weather and climate, and I think that's where there's so much of a discussion between why people see red when they hear about climate change, and it's such a polarizing subject matter because it has been politicized. I, the biggest difference between weather and climate is the short-term versus the long-term, what we're tracking. So weather, we're really tracking from now to about seven to 14 days out. Um, with climate, we're tracking everything in the past and what we're looking at long-term averages and there's also some confusion with regional climates you think of the united states for example you know you have the midwest you've got the east coast you've got the plains you've got the rockies you've got the pacific northwest you've got southern california and central california northern california they all have their own regional climates as well so what the conspiracy is really tapping into is the climate impacts over a long term and they're looking at the averages normally you're looking at an average of 30 years where you're tracking this and you're seeing these changes so there are scientists who are tracking all this you know what blew my mind though was and i obviously i know that you know when we're talking about the oceans the ocean is a huge driver for our weather it's the most dominant thing on our planet look at our hurricanes hurricanes are really transporters of heat and they help transport energy across the oceans and they are horrible things you know when they reach land but they're important because they do help supply those nutrients to different parts of the ocean and they transport everything they're moving in the hot and the cold water so it's really fascinating when we dive deep into the ocean and its impact to the weather we also get a lot of moisture from the ocean for our, our storms you know they continue to help feed storms just like hurricanes and the oceans depending on where you're at they really control your weather think of how calm and relatively you know benign the west coast is as far as temperatures go especially if you live along the immediate coast because we don't have any dramatic temperature changes that's all thanks to our proximity to the ocean so i mean the ocean has so many key factors in how it plays um i mean one thing that blew my mind in the documentary with seaspiracy was the impact of the marine animals inside the water and how they churn up and they help transport, you know, different nutrients. Cold to hot. Cold to hot. That right there, I was like, whoa, yeah. that was a game changer for me because from what I've been focusing on, we just focus on the water minus the animals impact or the water plus the plants. I mean, I know obviously there are currents in there too, but wow, the fish are helping this along. Yeah. It was fascinating right there. Yeah, and also the other thing was the impact that the whales and dolphins, who are mammals, I've always been like, Lord, why did you put mammals in the ocean? They don't belong there. Like, what's the purpose? The purpose is they come up to the surface to breathe air and they do something the way like cow farts add, <laughs> what do they add? You know what I'm talking about? It's like methane. Yeah. They add like methane to the atmosphere. Whales and dolphins coming up for air and blowing out their blowholes does something important and if they're dead they can't do that and that's a problem the other thing that i thought was so fascinating was how much oxygen 
the ocean is responsible for providing. The actual plants in the ocean super outweigh the plants on land. And how much our air that we need to breathe is affected by pillaging the seafloor. Certainly not a project that I think would necessarily pop up on my radar for the griot, but you know, we are humans and I'm constantly focusing on entertainment and content and conversations that contribute to the culture. And one thing in my mind that, that actually doesn't discriminate in this world is the weather, Yeah. right? Like that is going to affect whoever, whenever, however it does. But then as I took a deeper look and actually kind of tried to investigate some of the things that I learned in Seaspiracy, particularly about what was happening in Africa and West Africa and the oceans there and the communities there and the freaking Somali pirate situation, whoa, that's a big thing to focus on. Like, Remember that movie with Tom Hanks? Um, the movie Captain Phillips. Yes. Right? That totally sheds a different light on that situation. Oh my God, that is such a good point. Everybody's such a liar. They try to act like these people were just these criminals out on the open sea like Captain Hook. Like, F you guys. You guys stole all their fish. They can't eat. They're freaking hungry. They're like pointing to their mouths. Yeah. Like, I would maybe also be a Somali pirate if I, you know, was being pillaged like that. But that's the thing, right? Everything from commercial fishing and this horrible impact it has on, in, on you know, this world, it has more of an impact to Black people in this world. And when you think about climate change and the effects of climate change and our community's ability to deal and adjust and adapt to whatever we have to because of climate change, right? And, and bad weather wreaking havoc yes it's gonna hit everyone in the area but what communities are going to be much slower to recover who's gonna be hit harder it's just like this pandemic right it's like oh yeah. COVID-19 the virus is not racist but it certainly amplifies existing racial inequities in its effects and in its impact and that is also why Black folks should be paying attention to climate change and to the weather. Aside from being citizens of the earth, humans who have to breathe this air that we are trashing, right? Like, aside from all of that, also climate change is racist. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> And it comes down to location, exposure, and access. Those were the three things that I thought of when I'm thinking of climate change and marginalized communities, too. I mean, I think of, I mean, even though this wasn't directly related to climate change, but the Flint, Michigan water crisis predominantly impacting the Black community because of the location and just the thought process behind it needs to be changed as far as where people are dumping these toxins. They're going to be more poverty-stricken communities that are typically people of color and how that exposure and the fact that they don't have access to the same type of care and people aren't willing to listen. Now, if that was happening in a white community, that would be a completely different story where people would be raising red flags and they'd be listening, they'd be doing something. But the community in Flint, Michigan, they kept on telling people over and over and over again. And they were just like, oh no, it's safe. It's safe because it was just not on their radar. You know, and I also think of Hurricane Katrina, again, not completely related to climate change. It was a 
horrible hurricane, but still it just kind of shows location, exposure, and access. The location where most of the devastation from Hurricane Katrina was happening was happening in more poverty-stricken areas. More of the Black community was impacted. Majority of it was the Black community. And the levees in those areas were not up to par compared to the white community levees. So there is that, that difference. So of course, marginalized communities think of I know this month we're also talking about the Grio with cannabis and I think like a farming in general where the Latin Latino community, Hispanic community, they're going to be in the trenches and dealing with a changing climate and more extreme weather events. What was really shocking to me was the fact that these industries are widely supported and they just seem so unchecked. And that was like blowing my mind. And then, you know, yeah, you think you're doing the right thing by eating dolphin safe, turtle safe, all sorts of, you know, safety precautions on the labels. And you're like, I'm buying that. And so you're like, okay, I'm, I'm doing good, right? But then it's like, nope, you're actually helping the problem. You're part of the problem. Yeah, you're a part of the problem. And it's so horrible. And I definitely gave my can of tuna that I had literally <laughs> sitting on the counter getting ready to have it for lunch with my husband and I. I literally was giving it the side eye like, mm, I don't know about you anymore because yeah. it had all the labels. What a big, huge shocker. Like what a lie. And I mean, when I started watching it, I actually turned it on because I feel very guilty that every time I go to Starbucks, I still ask for a straw. Now you have to ask because the straws were allegedly killing all of these turtles. You're supposed to bring a metal one, keep some other material one other than plastic and just keep reusing it, which I have a lot. I get sent them all the time from like studios and networks. I never use them. That is so gross. I would leave it with milk in my car for a week and it would smell. But I've been like, wow, Port, you're really a bad person because you love turtles and you're still using the straws. Come to find out the straws are nothing. Actually all the trash. What did they say, Liana? They said something insane. Like all of the nets and like yeah. garbage can wrap around the earth like 500 times. It was insane how many nets there are that are just lodged in whale stomachs. You know, that was like horrible. Oh, and I was like, God. how have we not come up with a better solution? As we were watching it, I was like, well, why are there no biodegradable right. nets right. that just dissolve and become food for the fish and help out? It's just so interesting, you know, that these whole ties, you know, and obviously like they were talking about climate change and then, you know, the plastic and, and all these different aspects of everything. And then it, it all kind of trickles down to even bigger problems like with slavery, oh. you know, modern day slavery. It was just like, whoa, this is huge. So, I mean, at the end of it, it's so easy to just feel so overwhelmed because this is a huge problem. These are really big oh problems. And it's just insane. And I think I'm glad that we have these kind of documentaries out there because it does shed light on these issues. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, you know, that overwhelming feeling. Like it's so big, you feel so helpless. Exactly. And so I, I just felt like the end of it was definitely not as strong as far as messaging. Like, here's how you can help. Don't and basically, it was just like, ever. don't eat fish. Sushi, <laughs> done. No more. Yeah. There is another Netflix documentary. It was suggested at the bottom. It was the David Attenborough, A Life on Our Planet. Oh my God, that was so good too. That was so good. But, you know, I felt like there was a lot more 
promising and hopeful uh, messaging at the end. Yes, like there was. That documentary was clearly made with the intention of not just identifying a problem, but providing tangible solutions, which is great. Seaspiracy is for sure not that. Like if you're looking for that kind of responsible, balanced approach, like hail, no, this thing is like, we're all going to die in 2048. <laughs> like, why am I saving up for my kid's college? Like, what are we doing? Are you serious? Somebody said something on that project, like humans can't survive with a dead sea. And it's like everything that you already mentioned. Plus, I mean, yes, slavery. Yes, continuing the cycle of pillaging Africa at a disproportionate rate learning that, you know, the ocean has a whole lot to do with our climate and our weather patterns and all of that stuff to the fact that, you know, you can run around the earth with all of our trash forever, that they are just like murking dolphins and sharks for soup and to make them stop eating fish and, oh wait, human trafficking, the mafia, what? Yes, it was so intense. There's still some things like I've watched it three times now. And every single time that I've watched it the past three times, I pick up something new. And I'm just like, whoa, like these serious things you know it's this is bigger than not using plastic or getting electric cars which i was also talking to someone and they were like yeah you know that can also be considered a problem because of the energy used and it's not really a big solution so right we're f in the a that's the moral seaspiracy if you're not going to watch it and you just want a spoiler we are so screwed (laughs) everybody apparently we should really limit their fish maybe people will start treating fish like many people treat red meat like i eat meat but i eat red meat sparingly you know what i mean like maybe yeah that will be a thing i i don't think human beings are going to give up eating fish we're just not even if everybody believes all of this we're still not going to do it it's too big of an industry So many diets are reliant on it. So many places and communities are reliant on that for their food and for all of their money and income. So there's no way that's going to happen, but it does. I mean, like maybe I probably won't eat fish. I can eat other things. Like I have the resources to eat other things than fish. And then I'm really going to investigate like the health stuff they said about it. Cause it sounds like gross fish are not even made of fish anymore. They're made of like plastic and what did they feed? There was like the, the fish oil and fish feed yeah. and, and rounded up fish. Okay. And I was the like, white oh. salmon. How gross was that? Where they were like choosing what color pink from like a paint palette sample of that. They want their fish yeah. based on like the color they dye, the bullshit food that they feed them. And it's not just the fish that are being farmed, fish that are being caught out in the open, nets getting caught in whales' throats and stomachs, these apex predators. And when you remove those apex predators, it just trickles down. And so that thing below them, there's a ton of them because no one's eating them. So then they overeat what they're supposed to eat. So then there's no food, so they die. And blah, 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 all the way down. It feels like there is this one like lone ranger kind of vigilante pirate ship who's trying to seek justice for the whales out on the open seas. And, you know, I was talking to my mom about this and she was like, Courtney, did you not watch Whale Wars? 
I'm like, what is that? And she said, girl, I've been watching it for like six or seven seasons. It's the show that was all about Sea Shepherd. So Whale Wars was like following them and all of their crazy adventures and work. And my mom knew like all about this. Nothing on this documentary really surprised her, which was more disturbing because she still eats fish and she hasn't said anything. (laughs) What? You've been knowing about this. Really? Hold on. You know that, that there's all these problems. Right. And you're still eating. Right. <laughs> but maybe the dots weren't connected until Seaspiracy, because that really was the point. It was like the whale in the room, if you will, was, hey, everybody who knows anything about what's actually happening knows we should not be commercial fishing, yeah. which means knows we should not be eating fish. And that's like the thing that you can't say. That was the big gotcha gotcha among yeah. all of the other shockers, that was the biggest takeaway that the filmmakers intended us to really consider. And it's shocking. And I remember now after doing research that a lot of people did watch this other film by the same team called Cowspiracy. And that really helped amplify the idea that maybe we should not be eating meat the way that we do either. And so there was a similar effect. And I mean, that was like a 2014 film. So seven years later, of course, it's not the only source of information, but it's certainly one that's contributed to a thing that is not a trend. I think we're all going in some way plant-based. I think you can get like plant-based stuff at like Burger King and Carl's Jr., you know, like that's so true. Like, plant-based <laughs> trash, here you go, you know, like plant-based yeah. anything. You know, it's not going away. And so maybe this might be kind of the tip of the iceberg in information and projects and campaigns that are going to really make us consider changing the way we think about eating fish. It does make me sad. I mean, I don't love fish, but sushi is a thing and it's like a special occasion. It's so good. You go to Hawaii, you want to eat fish, but I'm not like, a. this isn't going to devastate me. But also if all of this stuff in Seaspiracy is true, how disgusting is it to even think about how much sushi you have consumed? It's raw. Yeah, I know. And then you think of like the sea lice and you know, I was like, whoa, this is a Sea lice? Yes, the sea lice, that was, and the, the fish actually getting- Alive, eaten. eaten alive. Yes. The sea lice ended me. Liana, my brain like blacked it out. You just reminded me. And now all I see right now are these, oh my gosh, horrific images of fish being eaten alive. Ew, and the poop in Scotland. How about that like Nova Scotia Scottish salmon that was just, the water was like filling with poop. Ew. Uh, it, it was, it was horrible. I mean, am I going to get rid of fish out of my diet? You know, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, it's there in the stores. The feed is done. There's this part of me that thinks of it as, you know, how like wearing real fur is terrible. People think it's horrible, the most horrible thing, right? But then I've also seen the case of wearing vintage fur because people are like, oh, no new animals have been killed for it. So it's okay to wear vintage fur because the animal has been dead for like, you know, decades. That's 
the preposterous and hilarious and that's the thing for me i don't like the way that all of these issues are framed from the perspective of it's the onus of the consumer to rectify the damage that's been done to the planet when ultimately us recycling plastic straws is it's fake it's not real that's not the real problem at all and it's not going to get us closer to fixing it but it's like working and there's been like legislation and policies instituted about the damn straws to the point that you're like wow these straws are really fucking shit up in the ocean and I can do something but what seaspiracy led me to believe was that all of that was just to make it look like the people who were supposed to care and regulate this stuff were on the job. And it was like pissing in the ocean, literally. <laughs> literally. It is like pissing in the ocean to care about plastic yeah. <laughs> straws because they're just out there like maiming whales and dolphins and throwing horrible trash into the sea and mutating fish and farming them. Yeah. So, Liana, sushi. Are we done? Are we done with sushi? I, I, you know, honestly, like I am definitely giving it the side eye. I'm kind of going to give it a moment. I mean, so many people will probably like watch this and then forget about it in like three months and be like, oh yes, let's go ahead and go to that turntable sushi down the street. And that's like 10, 100 miles inland from the closest port. So uh, <laughs> honestly, I'm going to be done with sushi. I, I think I am. It's yeah. I, unless it's like something super fancy where but even then it totally blew my mind with like all the dolphin safe turtle safe tuna and how they get it wise I'm, I'm i'm not sure are you i think i'm out yeah i think i'm off of fish at least for a while hopefully forever it's gross this documentary made eating out of the toilet look like a really good idea <laughs> That was such a great example to eat. Would you eat something out of the toilet? And that's kind of what we're doing from the ocean. That's exactly what we're doing. Ugh, it's disgusting. But I am kind of curious, I'm not going to lie, about bluefin tuna. Now I'm like, have I ever had that? Did you catch where they said one fish goes for $1.3 million at the fish market? I, where? What I totally forgot about that. Like bluefin tuna. Yeah, I'm not sure if Who I've ever had that. that. Like now I want to call Katana and be like, what kind of tuna is this? Because there's no way. I think it would be really expensive even when it hits the plate. Also kind of want to know what it tastes like barely. But then, <laughs> yeah, like no more. <laughs> After you have the bluefin tuna, then you're like, okay, now I'm done. Yeah, I'm done. bucket list. <laughs> so Liana, you were going to tell us some things we could do now. Yeah, I actually get kind of surprised with some things that I find. Some things that we can actually do to help the climate change, help our planet. Actually eating the food that you buy. There's so much waste that we continue to give out from our households, old food. Just go ahead and use it. Eat it and then also try to make it as much meat-free as possible. Especially after I was watching those documentaries. Just really like makes me rethink my meat approach and now fish. Even keeping your tires inflated properly. That's one tool that a lot of people don't realize. A lot of gas waste happens. You know, you use a lot more gas. Yeah, when your tires aren't properly inflated. Um, really? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's, you know, making sure your car is kept really well. You don't want to be even be driving with the windows down on the highway because that actually helps introduce drag into your car. So, the gas utilization is not as effective. All these little wait, things. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> You're not supposed to drive on the freeway with your windows down? Yeah, I mean, obviously you can. Yeah, but like maybe... But it's just not as effective. 
Think of drag on the car, that air is entering through the windows, slowing the car down. So it's not really using the best amount of gas. Yeah. It's like not being the most efficient. Exactly. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Even properly weatherizing your house, so making sure the drafts are shut, feeling those drafts, insulating the house. Something also I think many people don't realize how much energy is used to maintain those thousand emails in your inbox. So cleaning out your inbox is one of the tools. I know, I know, it's crazy. Uh, I mean, you're lying. You're <laughs> lying, Rihanna. What? I have never deleted an email. <laughs> You're killing the planet, Courtney. Exactly. Like, I can't even record this Zoom because my computer is so full. Yeah. So, I mean, basically, it's just the amount of energy utilized. So, you don't think that it's just a digital email. So, really, we're trying to reduce our digital footprint. That's one tool of how to help climate change. Something else that I ran across, and this actually kind of surprised me, download shows that you're going to watch, for example, like on Netflix or something versus streaming it. Stop. No, not doing it. I was like, whoa. But you would think that that would utilize even more energy because you're downloading these huge shows. Yeah. Yeah. So. Now that is very important to, to acting up, right? We are all about what what's happening on screen. So you're telling me that I could help the planet if I download versus stream. Some crazy, crazy tips, you know, that I've never really thought about because- Yes, and who, who's to say you can't do anything? Those are very easy things you would never, ever think of. We should write a book like that. Like things <laughs> black girls can do to save the world one email at a time. <laughs> one email at a time. I mean, even, even unplugging unused appliances, turning off the lights. We, I remember my dad always, you know, yelling at us, turn off the lights. You're not using, if you're not in there, turn it all off. Yeah. Um, and again, that's just, you know, draining and using even more energy. So then of course we go into the classic ones, you know, reducing water waste. How many of us leave the water on when you're brushing your teeth? Cause you're just going to continue to dip your toothbrush in the water and continue brushing your teeth. But Turning it off in between, that, that does help them save water. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so much. Yeah. Thank you so much, Liana, for sharing your expertise with us and giving us some actual advice on things that we can do. Um, Seaspiracy was so mind-blowing. It was so much fun to kind of dissect it with you. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. It's really been fun. And yeah, I mean, it's just mind-blowing, but I, th I think the strongest message in that movie was that every single person can make an impact. There's something we can all do, but just take someone to start and actually help out. Liana, thank you for joining me. This was great. Thank you. But I have a perfect segue into our Oscar moment of the week. The next few episodes of Acting Up are certainly going to be focusing on the Academy Awards. And one project that was nominated was the Octopus documentary on Netflix, My Octopus Teacher. This documentary followed one octopus in the ocean for a year, I think. And these things, number one, are aliens. Like that is not a fish. It is magic it can like change into anything camouflage into anything mimic things climb out of a tank and walk away like it can do so many incredible things octopus but no wonder they're all pissed off like they 
live in the ocean that we are trashing. I was reading something today. I think it was on CNN, but it was like this video that this guy took of this freaking octopus. He's like walking on the beach with his kid and this octopus, no lie, reaches out of the ocean and just smacks the shit out of him and like goes back in the ocean. And in the video, I promise you guys, the octopus are pissed. You can find out more about it in this Oscar nominated film, especially if Seaspiracy piqued your interest. But check back with us on Acting Up for the rest of the month, where we will be talking so much more about the Oscar nominees this year. And stay tuned for more from Liana, who's going to be helping me out with some entertainment coverage over on thegrio.com. Pretty soon you're going to see her lighting up our IG pages and talking to some really cool celebs herself. Thanks for listening to Acting Up. If you liked what you heard, please give us a five-star review and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. Please email all questions, suggestions, and compliments to podcasts at thegrio.com. Acting Up is brought to you by The Grio, an executive produced by Courtney Wills and produced by Cameron Blackwell. For more with me and Acting Up, check us out on Instagram at actingup.pod.